0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Um, I love the
0: Jets, so when, it, when I had the opportunity, I'm having free agency, and then I just felt like the stars kind of aligned.
1: And now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Two episodes in two days. Basically, to play like a jet feed over here. Uh, we ran uh <laughs> little NFL draft mailbag yesterday. I powered through my very sore voice from the wedding weekend. My voice has returned, so I'm going to talk with our good friend Scott Mason from the Play Like a Jet feed uh, for about a half hour or so uh, with a final preview of our thoughts about the New York Jets and the NFL draft. Uh, Frank Clark trade just went through, so we'll talk about that a little bit as well uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, which appears to be quite a haul that they traded for him. Um, we will touch on any rumors, our final thoughts, our final projections. I just published my final seven-round mock draft on on turnonthejets.com along with my predicted mock draft for what I think Mike McKagan will do. Um, I will also have another podcast on this feed probably Sunday, uh, giving my thoughts uh, on the entire weekend, and then I'll have some articles up on the site uh, with reaction to all the individual picks, a final 12-pack, our normal round one guide. A lot of content, and obviously, I'm assuming Scott, be a podcast every 15 Mm -hmm. minutes or so between Thursday
1: and Saturday. (laughs) There's going to be plenty of content, I think, between your podcast, my podcast, TOJ Digital. is going to be rocking and rolling the next couple of days for sure. This is the Overtime Podcast
0: Network. Our always friendly reminder, subscribe, rate, review. Turn on the Jets podcast, play like a Jet podcast, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. All the ratings help our searchability. Uh, helps out our network over time, which has been a fun partnership for us over the past few months that uh, we'll continue to build on. So send that loving. All right. As it stands now, Scott, I just published my final mock. I, in my personal mock, have them taking Josh Allen third overall. In my predicted, what I think Mike, Mike McCaggan will do, I said at this point, I'd say, gun to my head, there's a 25% chance they'll take Quentin Williams, a 25% chance they'll take Josh Allen, a 25% chance they'll take Ed Oliver, uh, a 15% chance they'll find some way to trade back, and then a 10% chance they'll get very lucky and Nick Bosa will fall to them. As it stands right now, not what you want to see, but what do you expect to happen with that third overall pick?
1: It's so tough to know at this point because... A lot of this hinges on what happens at number one and number two because if the Kyler Murray stuff that we've been hearing forever actually happens and he goes first, then that means that, that San Francisco has to choose, you would assume, between Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa. Now, there's been conflicting reports as to whether or not San Francisco prefers Williams or whether or not they prefer Bosa. Of course, there's always that possibility that it's all a smokescreen, and they like Josh Allen or Ed Oliver or something like that. We've seen this before, so it wouldn't be the first time. But if they pick and Williams, I think the Jets absolutely would pick Bosa. I think he's the exact type of player that McKagan loves, that high-floor type of guy, especially at a position that you know that McCagnon really wants to fix because he tried to throw a ton of money at Anthony Barr, even tried throwing money as the Darius Smith, they tried to trade for Frank Clark. None of those things panned out. So if Bose is there, I think for sure he picks him. If Bose is not there, man, that's a tough one. I think the smart move is Quinn and Williams, who I would pick no matter what if he's available, because I just think he's far and away the best player in the draft. And I know you and I disagree on this, but I think there's more than one way to get pressure on the quarterback, especially with the way that The league has been changing. The quarterbacks have quicker releases now, and so it's much more important to get to the QBs quicker, which you can do from the line because obviously the guys on the line are less far away from the quarterback than the outside edge rushers. But then it just becomes a matter of what is Greg Williams like? Because my theory on this, Joe, and I think you may agree on this, I think Adam Gase is kind of disinterested in the defense. We've seen this a million times, both in Miami and all the comments he's more or less made since he's gotten here. So I don't think he's going to really get that involved because he probably figures all the strength of the draft at the top is on defense, and so I'll let Greg have this one and then I'll have my way with other picks because let him do what he wants, it's his defense. And then McCagnan is probably going to sit there and say, well, it's Greg's defense, let me see if I can give him the guy that he wants. So the question becomes, does he think that Josh Allen can hit that ceiling that we all know he has, or does he think that Allen is a lot further away? And there's been obviously a lot of debate on this. Connor Rogers, our friend who obviously has his show stick to the jets here on the turn of the jets digital network, but also is year round evaluating these guys. He was on your podcast. He was on my podcast. He's been talking on his show with Matt Miller stick to football a lot. And he says, that he doesn't think Allen is anywhere near the pass rushing prospect that a lot of people make him out to be. There are some people like Joe Blewett who's been on your podcast and my podcast who think Allen's the third best player in the draft. I kind of fall somewhere in the middle. I guess I lean closer to where Joe is, but there's definitely some stuff to fix with him. So maybe Williams doesn't see him as a Khalil Mac or something like that. If that's the case, maybe he prefers Quinn and Williams because we all know that he has that super high floor. I think he's got a really high ceiling too. But then obviously there's been reports about Ed Oliver. I think it's possible. In fact, it might actually be likely because I never what any of these people are saying that it could be a smokescreen. Maybe they've got intel that the Raiders or somebody like that really loves Oliver and they're trying to entice him to trade up. But I think ultimately, Joe, what this comes down to above all else is it's going to be all about whether or not Mike McCagnon thinks it's worth it to move out of that spot for an offer that's not really anything special. I think his preference is probably to trade down by a good amount. The problem for him, I think is that without a premium quarterback in this draft, that would be available at number three, he's going to have trouble finding suitors that are going to want to give up major assets to move up for that spot. So I think that he's going to have to sit there and take offers. And at the end of the day, decide, okay, do I think that, Quinn and Williams or Josh Allen is better than moving down a handful of spots or whatever and picking this other guy that I have on my list. Me personally, I wouldn't do it, but I think there's a decent chance. So as far as your percentages go, at this point, your percentages are about where I would have it. I might say a little less for Ed Oliver. I think it might be 25 for Williams, 25 for Allen, maybe 20 for Oliver and then from there you could have say 15 to 20% trade down because then if Mac decides that he just wants to trade down to trade down and then Bosa. but I actually, I should say, man, this is why this is hard because I actually think there's a better chance. Bosa's is there than a lot of people think only because I think the 49ers really like Quinn and Williams a lot. So it's really interesting. I, this could go in so many different ways. So for a lot of people that are saying the draft is boring this year for the Jets, I think it's the opposite. I think there's a lot of intrigue here because we really don't know what's going to happen.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
1: Yeah, I'm of the belief that if Bosa
0: does happen to be there, there's zero doubt in my mind the Jets would take him. I don't think they would even consider trading back. My guess is that they have him uh, as the top guy in their board and kind of he fits that profile of sort of that safer... Uh, pick, well-known, more closer to being a consensus top guy that we kind of have with the Jamal Adams and Sam Darnold, somewhat comparable in some ways. I Look, again, who knows? Who the hell knows what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do? I'm not anticipating him being there. If he is, I do think the Jets will take him. I don't think they're going to be able to find a way to trade back. I don't think this is a year that's conducive to it. I think the top five players in this draft are arguably, arguably all defensive players, and a big chunk of them are arguably interior defensive players, and it's just not that year with all these big-name quarterbacks or uh, guys at other positions that might potentially merit certain teams moving up. So I don't anticipate the Jets being able to move back you know, 10 to 12 spots and collecting a ton of picks, which I think most fans understandably want. You get more swings to fill certain holes, and maybe they address center, they address corner, uh, they still find a way to address edge rusher. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to stay put at number three, uh, assuming that Bosa isn't there. That basically makes it sort of that three-man race between Quinn and Josh Allen and Ed Oliver. You know, personally, I would take Quinn and or Allen before Oliver. I understand certain people actually like Oliver better than Quinn and or like them better than both. And I think, I guess, the thinking with Oliver would be that. He is such a unique athlete that maybe he's the kind of player who could provide both an interior and an edge rush because he could just do so much in the front seven. But when you look at his production, uh, you look at his size, you look at what a unique player he is. I'm not – this is completely unfair and they're built differently, but I do get some type of Dwayne Robertson flashbacks. Now, I think Oliver will be a better player than him. (laughs) Uh, But I can't help myself. I kind of – I get get worried and I just think that is – of the three, I think the lowest floor is definitely with him. I think with Allen, you know, your worst-case scenario is that he's just a very good starting linebacker who maybe only gets you six to eight sacks a year but can also play every part of the game. He's only 21 years old. Uh, and I think with Quinnen, I, I don't... Look, I, I am not as high on him as uh, you and Joe are. It doesn't mean that I don't think he is a very, very good prospect. And I think unquestionably, uh, no matter where you stand at top, three to four prospect in this class. I still have questions about are the Jets going to get the most out of him with how their roster is currently constructed, with how Craig Williams plays defense, and with how they're going to potentially attack the quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. We'll obviously see how that shakes out. I think what's going to be interesting is if they make this pick a third overall. It's going to be a defensive player. Um, That puts a lot of pressure on those two third-round picks. You have to nail those picks because the later you get in the draft, the more of a crapshoot it is and the more of a dart throw it is. And you, you're talking about that seventh-round pick, uh, that sixth-round pick. Those are absolute long shots. And we know the Jets have moved back a lot and compiled sixth-round picks, and it's very rare for them to have those guys make any type of impact uh, when you look at the guys that they've taken. So when you look at those two third-round picks, finding a way to – get good value, uh, and potentially address uh, what are some major gaping holes right now. And in my mind, there's three that stand out. Center, uh, cornerback, and edge. Although pass rusher and edge may be somewhat addressed by that third overall pick. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see during that long wait on night two, who are the names that are being kicked around both by people who cover the team, by fans, And what positions are they going to break out to? I think one of the things that's been interesting is that the Jets have spent more time with running backs than any other team in the pre-draft process. Now, they signed Ty Montgomery, which I think lowers that need a little bit. I certainly do not want to see them use one of their two third-round picks on a running back after what they spent on Le'Veon Bell after bringing Montgomery in. My hope is that, assuming they go Allen, Quinn, or Oliver, that they are able to find some type of way uh, to get a swing at center or maybe get a swing at another edge rusher, uh, depending on how that breaks down. Is there any names in particular you're going to be watching for at those two-day two picks?
1: Oh, for sure. Well, one guy that I know that Connor loves and I'm big on, and I know Joe Blewett likes, a lot of people have really been mystified at his drop because of some of the stuff that went on at the Combine and supposedly with interviews is Ja'Kai Polite from Florida. Because if you watch his film – man, he is really, really good off that edge. He's the type of guy that if he gets the right coaching, could be a double-digit sack guy for years to come. So he's the type that if he falls because of these pre-draft questions, to me, you jump all over him if he's there in the third, unless there's some real crazy thing that they know that we don't. And the reason is because, Joe, as you know, the teams that take swings like that are the ones that generally end up successful. Because, yeah, Ja'Kai Polite might might end up flaming out. But when you have a guy who's that talented, if he's still available in the third round when he has the talent to be a first-rounder, that's when you take a swing like that. Because otherwise, you take a safe pick like in our Darius Stewart or a supposedly safe pick like Nathan Shepard, who let's hope that something happens with him, but I'm not optimistic, Chad Hansen, guys like that. You do that, and what you end up having is a couple of years later, they get cut. Now, Ja'Kai Polite, that could end up happening with him, too, but he has first-round talent, so if he's there in the third, especially considering how much they need a pass rush, even if they were to draft Josh Allen, if he's there in the third, I'm one of those people that says you take somebody with that kind of value. I think Kajust is another one. He had the injury, so he's dropping a little. There's talk about his work ethic, but he has the talent to maybe be a first-round type of guy, so if he's there in the third, absolutely, he's a guy I would look at. Some of those centers, I mean, Eric McCoy, there's buzz now that he might go in the second, but who knows, he might slide down into the third. Michael Jordan's another one. But I also have to say that while I agree with you for the most part about not picking a running back, if there's one that they have some absurdly high grade on, then maybe I could see it at some point. Because my thing, Joe, is, especially as you get later into the draft, I don't like the idea of... Drafting solely for need. I know that you want to pick guys that are going to come in and provide help at positions you badly need right away. But at the same time, if you reach for a guy for need that you maybe don't project to be that great of a player, but you just think that he's the next best available guy at such and such position, you may be missing out on somebody that can come in and make a real impact. And that guy that you're reaching for maybe isn't going to be a starter right away, or isn't going to be able to really give you much. And, and to me, the draft is not necessarily about filling needs. I mean, that's something that you certainly want to try to do, but it's about adding talent above all else. You want to add the best players you can. And with the jets, look, I know that we're all frustrated with Mike McCagnon, but at the same time, bottom line is whether it's McCagnon or somebody else, this was going to take more than a year to fix. They brought in Bell. They brought in Mosley, both great moves. Crowder was a nice move. So they've, they've added pieces and now they're going to have to try and add more pieces in this draft. So those are the guys that off the top of my head, I like as possibilities, but listen, there are other guys. People have talked about that. They, they maybe don't necessarily need as much Paris Campbell is a guy. I know that they just signed Jamison Crowder, but he would be an interesting piece in Gase's offense because of the fact that in space he can be deadly. Now he's kind of raw. He needs some work, but if you pick him maybe at the back of the third or the beginning of the fourth, yeah, you don't need him as much as say you need an offensive lineman or you need a corner. But if you draft him and he turns out to be a really good player, let's say he turns out to be another Jamison Crowder type where a couple of years from now, you can move on from Crowder and have Campbell at a super cheap price, or you can use them both and Gase can get creative that's another type of thing that I might do. So yeah, I'm with you, Joe. We all know what the the major holes are, but I think we have to look at this realistically through the lens of add as much talent as you can. And this is not going to be a one-year process. They're going to have to fix this, not only in this draft, but also next year's draft and next year's free agency period. So do everything you can to fill the needs, but do not pass on super talented players just because maybe the need for that position isn't as high. And that's why, even if, they draft say Josh Allen or Nick Bosa in the first. If Ja'Kai Polite's sitting there in the third, he might be too tempting for me to not pick anyway. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Polite is the second guy
0: I take in my mock draft, so we're on the same page there. Uh, not in the McAdoo <laughs> version, in my own version, but yes, I agree. If he is there in the third round, I have no problem doubling up with pass rushers. And the Jets are in a position where they got to take some risks. And, again, I don't know why that guy would fall away in the third round. I think it's a problem with the pre-draft process to an extent. But if they can get him in the third round, I think that is great value for them and would help long-term addressing something that's been a problem for a while. Now, in terms of other moves that we could potentially expect to see over the weekend, I think Darren Lee's 100% getting traded at some point before week one. I think draft weekend – There's a good chance it happens then, now whether that's for a day three pick or whether it's to move up 15 to 30 picks uh, with one of their middle-round picks to maybe go get somebody uh, that they have in their crosshairs. I just think he's getting moved, and I cannot really be convinced otherwise uh, with how they've handled this offseason. In a lot of different ways, it's just a matter of what that value ends up being, and I don't doubt that this team also wants more than six total swings uh, when it comes to the NFL draft. There's also a rumor which I hate that's floating around today about the Jets potentially considering trading Robbie Anderson for a third rounder, which I would strongly oh. disagree with uh, because, again, I am very – there's a few hills I I'm, I want to die on. This is an offensive-dominated league. I care much more about a team's offense and building their offense and their defense, especially when they have a second-year quarterback who is supposed to be the franchise quarterback, ideally for the next decade-plus. You do not take away his best option in the passing game for a third round pick particularly when the two other guys behind anderson on the death chart were hurt last year while the new on crowder missed more than half the season last year you cannot get that much thinner at receiver for a third round pick you keep anderson with Darnold to help with his development so i can tell you if they trade darren lee this weekend i get it uh was not a pick that I was really ever crazy about? And I, I don't necessarily agree with sort of the revisionist history that Lee had some kind of like massive breakout year last year because he really didn't. Uh, but if they trade Robbie Anderson for a third-round pick, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, unless they have another move coming to add a different receiver, I mean, that, that to me would be insane. No?
1: I don't understand why they would do that. The thing here with Robbie Anderson is I think sometimes fans – Outthink themselves when it comes to draft picks So you have to ask yourself Robbie Anderson is a young Player he really Really came into his own with Darnold last year those last four weeks When Darnold played well if you go And look Michael Manny has put the stats together But the two of them really connected That last month so they're building a chemistry Like you said the other receivers That the Jets have are Injury prone especially Quincy and We all love him but I'll be honest With you Joe I had an uh, orthopedic surgeon who has 35 years of experience on the show, and he was talking about Quincy Inouye's injury history, and he said more so than any other jet on the roster, that's the guy that he would be scared about because that's the kind of injury that can end a career early. and You just don't know when it's going to flare up. He was hurt again last year and the year before that. To trade a guy like Robbie Anderson for a third-round pick and then what are you going to do with the pick? That's the problem. I think the issue is a lot of times people become infatuated with these picks, And then once they actually have the pick and see who's on the board at that spot, they're like, Oh man, give me that player back, which is what my reaction would be because I find it very hard to believe that they would be able to replace Robbie Anderson competently with the compensation they're getting for a third rounder. like you said, unless they have some other weird move up their sleeve that we don't know about, there's no way I would make a move like that. And to illustrate my point, and this is why I also tell people be wary of the must trade down with the number three pick routine Because if you remember, Joe, back in 1997, when Bill Parcells came in, they gave up a handful of picks because of Parcells. So Parcells felt this pressure that he had to recoup those picks. Orlando Pace was the consensus number one player in that draft. Everybody had been talking about how great he was since he was a sophomore at Ohio State. The only thing that would have kept him from being number one is if Peyton Manning would have come out, which didn't happen. So everyone knew Orlando Pace was going number one. Now at the time... I'm not gonna sit there here and say that I was some sort of expert, but I watched pace enough because Ohio State was on TV a lot. And I was adamant. I was like, no, you gotta take this guy. He's a stud. He's gonna be one of the great tackles. And that was what the consensus opinion was at the time with a lot of the scouts and the draft guys. And so Parcells, he felt the pressure to trade down, so he did, and he got these extra picks. He traded down twice. He picked James Farrier, who was okay for the Jets, turned out to really blossom with the Steelers, and that was kind of a failure of Parcells because he tried to fit a square peg into a round hole with Farrier. But the point is, obviously, Orlando Pace went on to be one of the greatest offensive tackles in the history of the sport, won a Super Bowl. It's in the Hall of Fame. And if you look back at it, the people that said the Jets shouldn't have traded out of that spot were right. They should have stayed there, taken Orlando Pace, and not worried about replacing picks that maybe you get some decent players with. But when you have a chance to draft a guy that good, and it's, it really that's what applies to that number three pick as far as how you feel about somebody like Williams or Bosa, to me, I wouldn't want to miss out on picking those guys to trade down. It's the same thing with Robbie Anderson because – Again, yeah, you could get that third-round pick, but think about what you're actually losing. Another move that Parcells made when he came in because, oh, he doesn't fit my defense, was shipping off Hugh Douglas for a second-rounder because, again, they had lost draft picks in that that move where the Jets got Parcells. Well, look at what happened. Hugh Douglas went on to Philly, had fall pro seasons, And the Jets took years. It wasn't until John Abraham developed that they had another pass rusher that was anywhere close to as good as Hugh Douglas. So I think that when you look at the Robbie Anderson situation and a number three pick, you really have to be wary of falling into that must add more picks at all cost trap, because sometimes it costs you good players. Sometimes it costs you very good players. And sometimes it costs you a chance to draft great players or the chance to keep very good to great players. So That, to me, is what I think of when I hear about Robbie Anderson for a third or the the must-get-out-of-the-third-pick thing. I think of Orlando Pace, or I think of Hugh Douglas, and I realize that a lot of times, moves like that are just not worth it. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: I agree. Uh, I I think that was well said. And, you know, seeing how this could... You know, potentially work out, especially with how the Jets have utilized third-round picks and drafted the receiver position in the middle rounds. Just seems uh, unwise. So, hopefully, it's an unfounded rumor, and that's not a veteran that they move on from this weekend. And look, I hope that this draft, candidly, has an offensive tilt once they get past the first round. I want to see them build around Sam Darnold and put some development players in place and build some depth on that side of the football. Uh, it's not just about plugging and playing starters. It's about taking more swings on the offensive line because Brian Winters is not good and is not under contract after this year. Uh, Assembly is not under contract after this year. Brandon Schell is coming off a major injury. Beacham isn't under contract after this year. Yeah. Uh, they got to think about that offensive line long-term to protect Sam Darnold. Uh, I'm glad they added Montgomery. I like that signing a lot, but adding more depth to running back is not a bad thing. Uh, at receiver, We talked about Anua's injury history, and I I love the player, but he's got to prove he can stay healthy. And at tight end, they don't really have anyone you should feel comfortable with taking reps behind. Chris Herndon, who's really likely to get suspended for the first two games of the year and had some injury problems in college. So the more swings they can take, particularly out of that tight end position, it's a deep class this year. So I hope it's something that they look at and consider on day three uh, and take advantage of the concentration of talent at that position. I want to see them – really focus on that side of the football. And I feel like, you know, over the past four years with McKagan, uh, they've ignored offensive line draft weekend. Uh, they've skewed generally more towards the defensive side of the football. If you look at what they did last year, in the year they drafted Sam Darnold, they used three of their picks on interior defensive linemen, Nathan Shepard, Foley, Fat Yucasse, and they traded a pick for Henry Anderson. So three of their picks went to interior defensive linemen. They also drafted Perry Nickerson, now, of course, they didn't nail the Chris Herndon pick, so take more swings on the offensive side of the football to build around them. You've got to skew that way to compensate for how many years they've been uh, generally ignorant on that side of the football. Before we wrap, as it stands now, through all the different conversations you've had and you know where everything seems to be headed with Thursday, how do you predict the top five of this draft play out?
1: Oh boy. Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to say Kyler Murray ends up going to Arizona. It sounds like if there's any holdup at all, it's that the owner is a little hesitant because he's thinking, why did we agree to make this kid the quote unquote face of our franchise last year? And now a year later, you want to get rid of him?" But I think that ultimately the GM and the coach are going to end up winning him over and they're going to take Murray and then Rosen will probably get traded for a second round or something. So I think he goes first At two is where it gets interesting. I guess I'll say Nick Bosa goes second to San Francisco at that point. Oh man, this is a tough one for me with the jets (laughs) because there's so many different ways this could go. I don't want to say anything and then jinx it or not jinx it or whatever. But if they're sitting at three, I have a hard time thinking that it's going to be anybody other than Oliver Williams or Allen and there's been so many conflicting reports, which in a way is a good thing because it means that the Jets are throwing a lot of smoke screens out there. I'm going to say, just for the sake of fun, that either Tampa or the Raiders give up like a third-round pick to move up because Tampa might get scared that the Raiders are going to steal Devin White out from under them, or the Raiders may be afraid that somebody will take Ed Oliver, or Quinn, and Williams out from under them. So for the sake of this exercise, let's say our old friend Todd Bowles It convinces Arians to go up to number three and get Devin White, and the Jets pick up an extra third round pick in the process or something. So the Jets move back to five. At that rate, you now see Ed Oliver go number four to the Raiders, and then at number five, maybe the Jets end up with either Allen or or Quentin Williams. So again, I'm not entirely sure that that's the way it's going to go. That was half me out thinking myself, I guess, and just trying to have some fun with it. But I could see a scenario where the Jets either go with whoever they think the best player is on their board at three or even move down a spot or two, if they can trick somebody into believing. And I think that might be what they said. Oliver stuff is it, it may be that they actually do love him and Greg Williams thinks he's the next Aaron Donald, but it also could be, there have been whispers that the Raiders really like Oliver. And maybe they're trying to scare the Raiders into thinking that they would take Oliver so that they can get the Raiders to do with the 49ers were able to get the bears to do with Trubisky. So like I said, that's not my like stone cold lead pipe lock prediction, but I think that having a little fun with it and combining the things that we've heard that that could be something that happens. Cool.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's the kind of draft where there's going to be, there's going to be some surprises in the top 10. And I think, You know, expecting it's going to be chalk or there's not going to be some type of, you know, crazy trade up or unexpected trade is unrealistic based on what we've seen in recent years. You asked me today, I do think it will be Murray Bosa who end up going 1-2. I don't know where Josh Rosen ultimately ends up, but I hope it's a better situation than he was in last year, because I do still think he could be a good starting NFL quarterback for the Jets. I, it's somewhere between those three. And the McCagnan mock today, I had them taken an Oliver. And my mock, I had them taken Allen. Would not be surprised at all if they took Williams. And I, I don't think with those three guys, there's any guy I'm going to be throwing a complete party about. But there's also no guy I'm going to be like really upset about. I think they're they're all pretty tight in my perspective. So none of those three would surprise me. And then after that, I think it gets a lot more wild uh, as you get some teams who are potentially looking for a quarterback. Uh, does I do think will be very defense heavy. Uh, in that top 10, uh, unless one of the team gets really aggressive for a guy like Haskins or Locke, which would, I don't know, be surprising based on some of the rumors we've heard about those guys. But either way, will be fun to watch shake out. Scott, thank you for joining us. We will obviously talk again t- soon. Reminder to listen to the Play Like a Jet feed for day-to-day podcast for the rest of the week. I will have another podcast on this feed Sunday, and I will have an article every day from now until then. Give Scott a follow on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. Give me a follow on Twitter at Jay Caparoso. Scott, thank you again for joining us.
1: Joe, thanks, man. Really appreciate you having me on. We've got to do more of these crossovers. You've got to come on Play Like a Jet after the draft, and we'll see what's going to happen. I will say that, like you said, we're going to have daily stuff. Chris Nimbley from Jets Insider is going to come on and we're going to recap every day of the action, go through all the news and notes. We'll probably do a mailbag at some point for people that want to ask after the draft questions or ask about the prospects. And then I'm going to start lining up guys to come on. I'm sure that both you and I will have Connor on at some point to analyze the draft class and figure out exactly how the Jets did with this. But I will say, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, Joe, that the Jets pick way fewer 24 and older prospects than they have in the past. Is God
0: No prospects that are older than 24 years old and no small, ridiculously small school (laughs) D3 prospects. Alright, thank you everybody.